In the NFL, it's assumed that second-year players will take a big step forward. And that doesn't just apply to rookies. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Last week, we talked about the 2022 rookie class heading into their second year and what we should expect from them. This week, I want to cover free agents from the year 2022 and what we can expect from them going forward. In the past, the Steelers have consistently shown that players will often have a much better second year on the team than they do a first year. System differences, you know, getting comfortable with their fellow teammates, their second year on the team usually is a bigger deal than their first year, with some exceptions. But most of the time, that second year is when the player really comes into their own and is comfortable. There's a lot of second-year players on the Steelers that were signed through free agency. There's a good number of them. But we're going to cover the ones who who were signed to play a, a pretty good role and then, you know, did play a role in the season. Let's start with the offensive line, where Mason Cole and James Daniels were new players to the Steelers. To me, heading into year two, uh, we, we should see them start where they left off, which is very good. The last you know quarter of the season, the offensive line was really, really good. The right side of the Steelers' offensive line is most likely going to be intact. And like it was the second half of the season last year, I expect it to continue to be the anchor of the line. That's the side you know what you're going to get there. You're going to get high-level play. Good execution. Maybe not dominance, not individual dominance or, you know, just just knocking people off their marks and and, and dominating the, the line of scrimmage but you're going to get a high level of execution. It looks like the Steelers have upgraded their left guard. Uh, there are still questions about what will, who will be the left tackle. But whatever happens on the left side, the three guys to the right, the centered Mason Cole and James Daniels, along with Chukwuma Korofor, our longest tenured Pittsburgh Steeler, they should be the strength of the line and really anchor the unit while the guys on the left figure out what they're doing. Like, obviously, Seumalu is a veteran, but he's new to the Steelers. He's new to Pat Meyer's schemes. Dan Moore Jr. or a rookie, whoever ends up there at left tackle, is also going to have to, you know, fit in and, and, and be figured out. The right side of the line... Mason Cole, James Daniels, in their second season should be the anchors of this line. In my opinion, at least especially early on. And and in camp, too. Because they know what they're doing. These are guys who know what they're doing and did it well. There's only one other player on offense that's going to make this list today. 
And that is quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky in his second season is not going to be expected to be a starter. He's going to be the backup. That role is going to be clear. We should expect him to have a better understanding of the offense. We should expect him to have a better offensive line with the amount of investment and experience together. If he is needed to come in and play for Kenny Pickett for you know half a game or an extended period of time, there's a few things that stand out. One is he did a very good job of protecting the football, but he wasn't very effective as a quarterback when he was protecting the football. In the second half of the season when the offensive line got better, Trubisky played in three games. The one game he threw 30 passes or more, he also threw three interceptions. In the first half of the season, up to getting in, in the games before he got benched, he threw 30 passes a game, at least. And it wasn't as good. The two games in the second half of the season where he threw less than 30 passes was when Mitch Trubisky was at his best. He had a quarterback rating of over 100. He was getting passes downfield. He was very effective. Which lends itself to the idea that if the Steelers can be an effective running team, Mitch Trubisky can be a good quarterback for that team that is running the ball well, keeping down his need to throw the ball all over the place. And as anyone who watched the Steelers play from the beginning of last season can tell you, when Mitch Trubisky was relied on to be the offense because the running game wasn't working, it wasn't pretty. The team just didn't move the ball and they didn't score. This leads to a very interesting stat. The Steelers didn't throw play action pass as much. They were down towards the bottom of the NFL. But when you look at Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, even though they're both roughly the same down at the bottom, like when I looked at qualifying players, means you, you threw so many passes in last season. It was like 41. Both Trubisky and Kenny Pickett are in the 30s out of 41 players in percentage of their throws that were play-action passes. The offense didn't use them a lot. But when you look at Kenny Pickett as a play-action passer, he is very much towards the bottom of the NFL in efficiency. Yards per attempt, completion percentage, stuff like that. He's down. Mitch Trubisky, however, completed 82.9%. 35 of his 38 play-action passes he completed. That is number one in the NFL in 2022 among any quarterback with at least 30 attempts. Number one. His yards per attempt was 9.6. That's huge. 9.6 yards per attempt is almost a first down every time you throw the ball. Not every time you complete a pass. Every time you throw the ball, 9.6 yards per attempt on play-action passes for Mitch Trubisky. The Steelers didn't completely avoid play-action. 
They just used it a lot less than other play other teams. Now let's say the Steelers want to run more play action. Matt Canada's used play action in the past. With the run game they have, play action is a natural extension of the kind of attention that Najee Harris draws when he's running the ball well. He draws massive amounts of attention. Play action off of that should be very effective. And with Trubisky in 2022, it was. If you want to add more of that, they've brought in a new you know, offensive assistant who is a passing guy, runs passing games out of the kind of system they use and does a lot of play action. If play action is increased, Mitch Trubisky could be a very good quarterback in this system. And to clarify, by very good, I don't mean like he's going to be Ben Roethlisberger if you you do more play action. No, I'm not saying that. He could be a very, very good version of Mitch Trubisky. A guy who has carried teams to the playoffs, quarterbacked teams to the playoffs before. We could see that Mitch Trubisky if he's forced to play in 2023 and the Steelers increase their play action usage. I I think it's very interesting heading into this new season. Uh, Because Trubisky's sticking around, because Kenny Pickett has missed some time, I expect that Mitch Trubisky is going to play. I don't know how much, but I expect that he's going to play a decent amount. Hopefully not, you know, too much. But it's good to know and see signs that the Mitch Trubisky that is good fits where we want the Steelers to go. I can't con- I can't convincingly say that the Steelers are going to increase play action. I can't even say they're going to run the ball well this year. You-, you never know. Injuries can happen. Things change. Sometimes teams look on paper like they're going to be even better than they were the year before, and they're not. You know, it can happen. We'll see. I had to think they're going to be a better, you know, running team. Uh, that they're going to have more play action. And in that system, Mitch Trubisky can be a very good quarterback. The last person I want to cover on offense for the Steelers that's in their second year is Coach Pat Meyer on the offensive line. His first season started off very rough in preseason Uh, The offensive line looked like they didn't know how to play football. They got into the early regular season and they were terrible. The offensive line was not good. But by the week after the bye, the offensive line was starting to come together. And the last four or five weeks of the season, they really did come together, especially in the run game. But they were also much better in pass protection, the weak link being... Clearly Dan Moore Jr., but the other four were very good. I am, of course, interested to see if the Steelers go out and are able to grab a left tackle. I am firmly in the camp. I believe that if the Steelers trade up to the ninth spot, 
if things fall right and they were to make that trade, it would most likely be to get Paris Johnson to get that left tackle that you could plug in and know that immediately your quarterback is going to be safer. That Kenny Pickett is going to be significantly safer with a day one rookie, a week one rookie starter in Paris Johnson Jr. at left tackle. I, I think that's pretty clear to see. I, and to me, that would be a would be a big time move. Uh, I would not be opposed to it. That's the one player in this draft I would trade up for. But even if that doesn't happen, Pat Meyer has five offensive linemen on this team right now that have a year in his system and a ton of snaps together. And I think we're going to see Kevin Dotson compete. I think we're going to see him get a chance to fight for his job. I think ultimately he'll lose that, but I, I'm interested to see how he does. I happen to to think that there's a, a pretty good chance that his uh, a lot of his struggles were a lot of inconsistency with his offensive line coaches. We've talked about Dan Moore Jr. had three coaches in two seasons. Well, Kevin Dotson has had four coaches in three seasons. So, you know, like it, it, it's very, it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to develop when you're having that many offensive line coaches. This will be the first time in several years since Marquise Pouncey was on the team. David DeCastro was a steal. Like since that old line was together, this is the first time they will have the same offensive line coach two seasons in a row. I'm excited for what that will bring. I'm also interested to see what the Steelers add. Because we saw the Steelers add a lot of things in the second half of the season that they tried to run in the first half and didn't work. The offensive line didn't work well with it yet. And they added a lot in the second half of the season. Now they have a full offseason. He has a full offseason to build on. Not... We're going to reteach you everything from the ground up and see how much we can get you executing. No, this is, we've got you good on this part. Let's add to it. I think that is going to be a big deal for this Steelers offense. And including when we talk about adding passing to work off of the run game that works with the motion instead of, you know, just sits separately from it, and you can tell the minute a wide receiver starts running across the formation that it's going to be a run play. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what is added to the run game, how they work off that with the passing game, and how that all impacts the Steelers' offense next year. I think it's a very exciting possibility, and to me, a lot of your offensive improvement is what we've talked about the last two shows here. This show and last week, the offensive line should be significantly better from the start. Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Connor Hayward, so many players. Whatever uh, Calvin Austin III can add to that. So many second-year players on the team. This is an offense coming together. When you look at the beginning of last year and you look at the number of players who were new to the team, And you look this year, and you look at the number of players who are coming into their second season with the Steelers. Second season with Coach Pat Meyer. 
and in his scheme. I think there's a lot of potential there for a big growth in the Steelers' offense. And that's the major area of need. That's what the Steelers need to be a better team, to win a playoff game. You need this offense to really come together, and I think we're seeing an offense that is set up to do just that. We're going to take a break, and after the sh- after the break, I will be back, and we'll talk about some players on defense who are second-year players that I that we could expect more from. We'll get to that as soon as we are done with these messages. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. The Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Steel Curtain Network, which is part of the Fans First Sports Network. We've got a lot of podcasts for you. I want to highlight one uh, that I've really grown to like, and that is The Hangover. The Hangover has... Daniel J. and Shannon White. Shannon's my co-host from the Curtain Call podcast. Uh, Him and Daniel are a lot of fun on The Hangover. You can check that out Monday nights. Uh, And if you're listening to this on Tuesday, you can check that out today on the audio platform. Uh, Monday nights, they do a live show. And it's a good one. It's a good show to listen to. They're a lot of fun. Uh, and of course you get, you get good football opinions, good football takes. Uh, I always respect Shannon White. He, he, he's right more than he isn't. He's, he is surprisingly, I'm, I'm a stats guy. Uh, I'm going to go off topic here, but, but I'm, I'm a guy, I like stats. I like film analysis. I break things down and word things a little differently. And Shannon White and I will get into situations we discuss stuff and, and there's times we disagree with each other and anytime Shannon White disagrees with me I always have to go back and recheck my stuff because he tends to be right uh some people just get it some people just see it some of us have to study it we have to look at the stats look at the numbers look at the film and come up with the you know the things from that and some people can just watch the game and be like and give an opinion and, and they're right uh, so check that out. Check that out. Check out Wednesday night uh, when Shannon and I go live on the curtain call. And uh, make sure you're checking out The Hangover. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a good show. First half of this show, we talked about the offense, second-year players. Uh, spent a lot of time talking about Mitch Trubisky. But I, I think there's a lot there to be mined, uh, especially if this offense fits him better. When we look at the defense... One player that doesn't have to worry about if the off if the defense is going to fit him better is Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi was strong all year for the Steelers as far as fitting the team, knowing what he's doing. For him, it's more about being healthy. Not really his role and his comfort in the job, but being healthy. 
when he's healthy, when he is 100%, when he's good to go, he was really good for the Steelers. And the few times he was out, when the few times he was injured and playing hurt, it, it wasn't as good. But he had a strong year all year. I, I'm not worried about him. Uh, as far as a jump forward, the Steelers have stated they expect that. That they think there's a lot more to Larry Ogunjobi's game than he was able to show last season. Well, I can't tell you about that. All I saw is what he was able to do, and it was good. If he's able to bring significantly more to the table than he brought last year, this defensive line is going to be even better than I expect it to be. Ogunjobi was not a great pass rusher here. He recorded a lot of sacks in Cincinnati. Not here. If that changes and he's a better pass rusher, wow. That's a big deal. Ogunjobi gave the Steelers a lot of what Stephon Tuitt gave the Steelers. Not at the same level, but a lot of disruption. A lot of crashing into the pocket. A lot of just causing chaos in the backfield, behind the line of scrimmage. I expect more of that. That's what you get from Larry Ogunjobi. That's what he showed his entire career. We'll see if he has a better season. I'd love it. I'd love it. I just, I think the Steelers got plenty good from him in 2022. So if he's better in 2023, wow, that's awesome. Second player I want to talk about is Levi Wallace, cornerback Levi Wallace. Similar to Ogunjobi, the story of his first season was his health. Even more so than Ogunjobi. He had a uh, Levi Wallace had a lot of minor injuries that really affected his play. But late in the season, when those minor small injuries stopped occurring, because he had, he had numbers of them. He had like four or five. Small things that were just bugging him. Concussions, arm injuries, different things that just mess with you. Late in the season, last quarter of the season, last three games especially, Levi Wallace was much better and looked much more like the player he had been in Buffalo before coming to the Steelers, which is a very good thing because he was a very good player. Looking into his second year with the Steelers with Patrick Peterson on the other side of him. I think he is going to be in the position that fits him best. And I think he's going to be fantastic in it. And that is a number two cornerback. He is a very good number two cornerback. Very good. He's been that for Buffalo Bills. And I think he can be that again here. He was that last year for a short while when he was healthy. One of the things with Levi Wallace that he needs to be very effective is deep help. You cannot leave Levi Wallace on an island with just anybody. Being the number two, drawing more favorable matchups and having some deep help, Levi Wallace is a much, much better corner. He's able to be more aggressive. And he's much more effective. If the Steelers in the draft are unable to draft a corner, I think they intend to. But if they're unable to, if the way things fall, they can't get a good one 
They can't get the ones that they want. Levi Wallace has been a really, really top-end number two cornerback in the past, and I think he can be that again. I'm not super worried about him. We will get more into where he fits best uh, a little later in this this part of the podcast. But I want to go on to our number three, our third player, heading into their second year with the defense, and that is DeMonte Kazi. Again, we have to talk about injuries. He broke his arm in the preseason and missed the first eight weeks. Levi Wallace and Larry Ogunjobi were affected by more minor injuries that just hampered their production and their performance. Demon Kazi flat out missed the first half of the season. When he came back, he played a decent bit. But when you look at how he was used, you look at when he played. Demonte Kazi had three roles. And two of them are really just one role. He was the backup safety for both Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick. Anytime either of those missed a significant time, it was DeMonte Kazi in for him. Now, I've talked about this before. I did a whole film room on it. When DeMonte Kazi was in, he was the free safety. And Minka Fitzpatrick or Terrell Edmonds were the strong safeties. But when he played, the Steelers really didn't drop off that much. He provided them very good play at that free safety position. I know I've said a lot about the fact that they signed DeMonte Kazi to a much better contract than they had offered Terrell Edmonds in the past. And I expect more than they offered him in this season to come back really showing that they valued him over Terrell Edmonds. But when you look at how he played last season, DeMonte Kazi, as I said, was Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds' backup. His other main usage was as the dime back in the exact same role Trey Norwood had filled, where Cam Sutton had played in 2018-2019. That's what DeMonte Kazi was. He was the dime back in the number three safety. I can't imagine the Steelers paying him more money than they they were paying Terrell Edmonds to be the number three safety and dime back. I expect he's going to be one of the top two safeties on this team. And I want to be clear on this because this doesn't, when we're talking nickel and dime defense, that's irrelevant. They have the pieces to draw in exactly what they've always run there. Uh, DeMonte Kazi, if you're, if you're in the, if you're in the dime, they can move you around. Minka can play wherever. DeMonte Kazi can play wherever they want him to play. Like that's not hard to manage. They've shown that in, in nickel and dime, they can be creative and they can get people where they need them to. But when you've got a seven-man front and you've got four defensive backs, two cornerbacks and two safeties, you don't have the same flexibility. In that kind of setup, when they have their front seven in, DeMonte Kazi has a clear role that he is best in. And I'm going to say this one role, he is better, in my opinion, than Minka Fitzpatrick. Exactly one usage. 
where he is better than Minka Fitzpatrick. And that is if you are rubbing cover one and your free safety is deep and your free safety needs to play like the center fielder role. He needs to be deep. He needs to be covering as much of the field as possible. Minka Fitzpatrick is an attacking forward safety, not a lateral side-to-side safety. Demonte Kazee is a better side-to-side free safety. As long as the other team is passing on that cover one defense, Demonte Kazee is equal to, and in my opinion, slightly, not a lot, but slightly more valuable than Minka Fitzpatrick. Against the run, Minka Fitzpatrick is better. He's, I mean, like in, in almost every other situation, he's better than Demonte Kazi. He is fantastic. Uh, Demonte Kazi is, is good, right? But Demonte Kazi's specialization, his best skill is being that center fielder type of free safety. That's Minka Fitzpatrick's biggest weakness, which is why most teams didn't see him as a free safety, is because that's not what he is best at, even though he's. He's good at it. He's he's quite good at it. He's just that's not he's not great at it, and that's not his best usage. Demonte Kazi also makes sense anytime, and, and again we're talking front seven. Anytime in that four defensive back situation where you're running two deep safeties, if you're running cover two, if you're running two deep safeties, split field safeties. Demonte Kazi makes sense. Cover three, cover four makes sense. If you're running a system where Minka Fitzpatrick is deep and Demonte Kazi has to come forward, it doesn't make sense. So to me, this defense works. The, the choice of Kazi over Edmonds works if you're going to more two deep safeties. More even a cover one robber where Minka is up, that works. If you're running the strong safety position the same way they ran it with Terrell Edmonds, then it doesn't make sense. Because putting Minka Fitzpatrick in the role Terrell Edmonds used is he's not as good as Terrell Edmonds in that role. Like, why would you put Minka Fitzpatrick in that role? Like, he's not, he's that's not his strength. Again, you're like, you're misusing him at that point. And he's the one that matters. He's your valuable player, right? Terrell Edmonds and Demonte Kazi in this are side notes to Minka Fitzpatrick. It's how are you using Minka Fitzpatrick to his strengths and Demonte Kazi to his strengths versus how you used Minka Fitzpatrick to his strengths and Terrell Edmonds to his strengths, which they've managed to do the last couple of years. This defense needs to look different. And with that... I want to get in into the last person I want to cover in this episode, and that's Terrell Austin. This is obviously not his second year as a Steeler, but this is his second year in charge of this defense. This is his second year as a defensive coordinator, and the Steelers roster on defense has some key differences. Especially, I mean, DeMonte Kazi over Terrell Edmonds is the big one. The inside linebackers are a little different. The addition of Keanu Neal. There's some things that point to this team going in a slightly different direction. Again, nickel and dime 
everything Terrell Austin has done is going to work with who they have now. It, it's no problem. When you have your front seven, when you're in first down, when you're in second down and you have your front seven out there, what is this defense going to look like that's going to be different? I do expect more cover one man, but I also expect more cover five, which is simply man defense, but both safeties are deep in that cover two deep safety look, and everyone in front of them is in man. That actually fits DeMonte Kazi and Minkovitz Patrick really well. It fits Patrick Peterson. It fits Levi Wallace. It fits all these guys well. If you're in nickel and Arthur Millette is your is your nickelback, it fits him well. I ex- I kind of expect to see more of it. More cover five. I expect to see continuing a lot of pattern matching. Uh and I'm also kind of I'm kind of interested in the situation with the edge rushers, the inside linebackers, the defensive line, the players they've added the last couple of seasons. I think we could be looking at a defense that is going to increase their hybrid attacks. To increase their 3-4 and 4-3 being able to switch between them. Because in the same way that disguising coverage or changing up your coverage messes with a passing game design, Switching between 3-4 and 4-3 messes with how offensive linemen work. All of a sudden, you're, you're, you know, you're numbering off when you number off to say who has, who has this guy, who has that guy, and then they shift and the entire formation shifts. You have to recalculate. People moved into different gaps. And if the offensive line picks out the mic, they all get their things figured out, and then the defense shifts real quick, and then you hit them with a very strange blitz that's uncommon, you're making them process quickly. And a lot of teams just simply don't have a group of five guys who can all do that. For example, the Steelers, the last couple of seasons, haven't been a team that could adjust to that well. And you would get miscommunications. You would get missed assignments. You'd get free runners at the quarterback. These are the kinds of things this defense could potentially do with do more of if Austin does indeed go in this direction. I'm more confident in the coverage assessment just because the safeties you don't you don't focus on DeMonte Kazi over Terrell Edmonds without having a plan. You know, you if, you if you're sitting here saying we want to run a defense that works with Terrell Edmonds, but we're just going to put plug Demonte Kazi into it, that's not going to work well. I so I, I think I think there's some very interesting things we're looking at for the second year here of of this kind of new team. There's a lot of new players, a lot of new look. The offense is is crazy different, but I think there's also a lot of differences on the defense that we're going to see show up more than they have in the past. That's my show for today. We've covered the second-year players. We're getting closer and closer to the NFL draft, a little over a week out. Next time will be my last 
you know, cutting room floor before the draft. And I'll see you then. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me the chance to sit here and talk football with you. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers.